As I stated in the flow of worship, I'm long past hype. As a teenager, I was involved in the Brownsville movement. I've been involved in movements, and I thank God for every single one of them because they all took me to another level. But as I've gotten older, I'm more interested in the changing of hearts than I am hype. I'm more attracted to faithfulness than I am flair. I really believe this book, and I really believe that Jesus can change a heart, can change behavior. I long for fruit that remains long after the music is turned off. And this message, I believe, will challenge all of us like it's challenged me to live free and fully alive and to live a life that's honorable to Jesus Christ. The title of my message this morning is The Choice is Yours, Towel or Tongue. Just before the Passover festival, at the Last Supper, our Savior did something remarkable. Before he implemented the new covenant of grace through his blood, the Lord's Supper, he did something astounding that the disciples didn't understand. They would come to understand it later, but they didn't understand it while he was doing it. He got out a towel and he poured water in a basin and he washed his disciples' feet. And I love the Apostle Peter. He's such a big mouth. He speaks up. He's moved by his emotions. He can't control his mouth. And he interrupts what Jesus is doing and dishonors Jesus by rebuking him for what the Father had told him to do. We live in a culture today where we have to comment on everything. We're more interested in being right than we are being right with people. We're more interested in our own righteousness than the righteousness of God. I come from a long line of big mouths. And I can get you told in about 3.4 seconds. I can. I'm good with my words. But years ago, the Lord convicted me. And this isn't going to sound very spiritual, but the Lord told me to shut up. People wonder why I haven't been as outspoken as I once was. Politically, I've learned a lot about people the last two years. My heart's been broken as I've watched Christians tear each other apart. And I've just made my mind up to do what Jesus did and focus on changing hearts, not changing minds. And you might be able to change a few minds with your mouth. 
but you will only be able to change hearts with a towel. And the Lord has put me in a place where I don't feel the need to correct everyone on social media, to expose every hypocritical pastor in this city, to defend myself against false accusations or hurtful words. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there is a time to speak and there is a time to be silent. In Proverbs, it says, the one who has knowledge uses his words with restraint. It is a spiritual gift to know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. The choice is simple this morning. Are you going to respond to this world with a towel or a tongue? In Psalms 34, it says, Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is not about cuss words. What this is about is gossip, envy, and mouth running. I've taught you that the Hebrew is Lashon Haran, which has to do with the evil tongue. Your tongue will tell on you. You know, Hank Williams had a song, Your Cheating Heart Will Tell On You. Well, it won't unless your cheating heart causes you to say something with your mouth. Your mouth exposes what's in your heart. And not everybody needs to know what's in your heart if you're in a tough season in your life. If you aren't hearing from God or if God is maturing you, you don't need to speak. You need to allow God to clean you up and do his work. My Bible says that my God will avenge me and defend me. And if my Bible's true, I don't need to defend myself all the time. I should defend those who can't defend themselves. But in this culture we live in, we got to be right. We got to get the last word in. We got to get everybody told. What good does it do to get the last word? How many minds have you changed arguing? Just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. I love this. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He looks at one that's going to betray him, one that's going to deny him. And he chose the towel over the tongue. This is what it says. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas. Judas was the disciple who sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. He was the treasure 
He got to believing that because he managed the money, he was the reason for the money. He thought his management was the reason for the miraculous. And more times than this time, his mouth told on his heart. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Simon Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. In other words, keep your mouth shut and let me do my thing. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. People bounce from False humility into arrogance quickly, don't they? Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Are you clean, though not every one of you? He knew what was going down with Judas. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, I am. Your teacher, I am your Lord. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. Everybody say blessed. If you do them. I'll never forget, I was in eighth grade. I had my first little girlfriend. And my dad was taking me to her house. And she was having a family reunion. There was like 30 people there. I was nervous being around that many people. It was my girlfriend. You know how weird teenagers are. Somebody say amen. So I was nervous. So I looked to my father and said, Dad, what do I say? Kind of a dumb question. I don't know why I asked it. I said, what do I say? What do I, what do I say? And my father, being the kind and gentle man that he is, <laughs> said, son, if you don't say anything, they won't know you're stupid. <laughs> it's that kind of encouragement that led me to be who I am today. But there was some wisdom in that. Sometimes you just really need to listen or look. God will speak to you. God will teach you things. God will give you wisdom from a thousand books if you'll just listen and look. God will show you who to connect with, who to date, who to stay away from. See, one day I'm going to preach a message on why I stay away from certain things and certain people. 
That day is not going to be today. Although I'm tempted. Matthew 12, 37. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. So by your words. It's important to speak life. It's important to speak the oracles of God, the things of God. It's important to speak faith. You'll be justified for those words. But if you're speaking from a place of emotion or you've allowed your flesh to control your mind and you speak, you'll be condemned by what you say. Listen, I've grown up in church my whole life. Some of the greatest people you will ever meet in your life are faithful kingdom people of God. Some of the worst people you ever meet in your life you'll meet in a church too. I'm perplexed at the hell that goes on under God's roof and the mean things people say about their brothers and sisters in Christ, about leadership. And people don't understand what they bring on themselves when they speak those things, when they harm a reputation, and they speak out of ignorance. I learned a long time ago, you judge people on what you know about them, what you've learned about them by interaction, not what people say about them. I've got some friends you probably wouldn't like because I don't judge people based on what I've heard about them. I get to know them. And I know that no person is beyond redemption. That no person is beyond the love and grace of God. With your words, you'll be condemned or you'll be justified. Paul would say, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. What you believe is what you speak. If you believe good things about yourself, you'll speak good things about yourself. If you believe good things about your marriage, you'll speak good things about your marriage. you believe good things about your church, you'll speak good things about your church. you believe good things about your friends, you'll speak good things about your friends. If you love Jesus, eventually it's going to make its way out of your heart and into your mouth. You won't need eight weeks on how to evangelize. People be telling you to be quiet. You'll be sharing the love of Jesus so much. If it's in your heart, it's eventually going to make its way out of your mouth. The evil tongue is not just about lying about someone in the Hebrew text. It's also about speaking negative truth about someone. This will mess with you. Our Jewish friends taught it this way. That even negative truth was a sin because it's gossip. They equated negative truth with the same sin as robbery and murder. I think if we understood that before we spoke, it would change our language. That is why the spiritual gift of a prayer language is still valid and biblical. Because there are times where your flesh is so weak or you've just lost a loved one and you're broken and, and, and you can't pray 
your own language. And so you pray in a language that only heaven can recognize, that the enemy can't take notes off of. Kingdom language. You don't have to believe in it. It's truth. I was traveling a couple weeks ago, and I was with Pastor Shannon Cook, awesome African-American pastor, friend of mine from out of state, and we were hanging out. I love this guy. He's word of faith. Some of y'all probably wouldn't like that, but I love it. I hang around faith people. Builds me up. And we were just preaching back and forth, and I didn't really even know what I was saying. I just kind of was in the flow of it, and I said, I said, I call him Doc. He's a doctor theological doctor, which means he gives you two verses and sends you home with that kind of prescription. I said, Dr. Cook, you know, I said, I'd rather be anything but a hater. And he about drove the car off the road. He said, my God, Pastor, that'll preach. He started preaching. He said, I'm going to preach it if you're not. He said, David said, they hated me without cause. We started preaching. You know what a hater is? You know what haters are? Let me tell you. It's having anger towards everyone receiving success. Having anger towards everyone receiving success. You've got to ask yourself, what is it that makes you hate that person that God died for? You say, Pastor Ronnie, sometimes you got to stand up for righteousness. Absolutely. You got to stand up for truth. You got to speak against evil. You got to stand up for the disenfranchised. You've got to stand on the Word of God. No denying that. But much of what I see is hatred, anger, jealousy, resentment, and even arrogance. God called you to share your faith and lift his name up. What in you is broken that you think you've got to fix everybody? What is unproven in you that you have to prove yourself to every person you disagree with? Number one, Jesus gave us, and he set an example of humility. The Bible says, our reward for humility is riches and honor. Humility. Here in this text, Jesus bows down. On his knees, and he washes the feet of his disciples, his followers. The Bible also says that pride brings disgrace but with the humble there is wisdom. And Jesus said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus showed us the image of humility, and he said we are to follow his lead, his example. I'm no longer moved 
by how loud someone screams, how long someone shakes in the floor, how loud one speaks in the, uh, the other tongue in a public setting. Those things used to move me. Now what moves me is when people get their towel, they start serving others. They start bringing people to Christ. When they start loving their neighbor, when they forgive that person that they hate, that they have good reason to hate, but they bless those that curse them, pray for those, spitefully use them. You want to know what revival is? It's when you change, and I change, and you change. It's fruit that remains, not faith made a mockery of. Jesus set an example of humility. The closest we'll ever be to God is when we serve those that can't do anything for us, Joe. The closest we'll ever be to Jesus is when we serve those that can't give us anything in return. To me, that's revival. And I've been in a number of them. It's fruit that remains. He set an example of humility. It was also an act of submission. We are told to submit ourselves to God and resist the devil. When Jesus bowed and washed their feet, it was an act of submission. Because his instructions to us would be to submit to governmental authorities. And because he made himself of no reputation and became like us, he had to model what he had told them to do. And that's to submit. Peter couldn't hold his tongue because he didn't understand. Why didn't he understand, Pastor? Because he did not understand at this point in his walk what the true mission of Jesus was. He didn't understand it. You say, how do you know? Because he denied him. Three times he had to be restored back to the faith. And when Jesus restored him, what did he tell him? He said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Did he say, go run your mouth and win arguments on Facebook? Go criticize everybody that you don't agree with. Win the argument. No, what'd he say? What'd he say? Feed my sheep, man. Take that place of a servant and serve. Wasn't it? Hey, guess what? He was a great preacher and pastor. Thousands were saved under the preaching of this man of God. But it wasn't about his gift. Jesus didn't care about his gift. He was interested in his heart. Jesus doesn't care about your gift. Everybody in here has a gift. It's the heart behind the gift. It was an example of humility. It was an act of submission. Then there came an interruption of the tongue through the apostle. 
The Apostle Peter didn't understand that oftentimes it's humiliation that brings humility. See, a few weeks ago I spoke at Celebrate Recovery and I've shared when I came to Christ thousands of times, I've shared my testimony at youth stuff a billion times. I've never really told the whole story. God doesn't give me permission too often. I told the whole story there. I didn't allow any cameras. I didn't allow any streaming. Just sat down. And a part of my story I told that Wednesday night, we had somebody saved and the power of God hit that place. Part of the story that I told was when I was humiliated and hated without cause. Which most of y'all don't even know. You may never know. But oftentimes, for you to walk in humility, if you refuse to submit to God, he'll humiliate you. Even if you don't deserve it, he'll allow you to be humiliated until you learn to walk in humility. And I would rather you not go through that. I'd rather you submit to the Father. The Apostle Peter constantly struggled, like many of us, with his tongue. He had two sins committed here. Peter's tongue was a sin of ignorance. Some people sin simply because they don't know any better. They need grace. Sin of Judas was a sin of iniquity. As I taught you last week, sins, trespasses, transgression, iniquity. Judas was a sin of evil. Peter's was a sin of ignorance. It's important you learn the difference. You confront evil with your tongue. You don't bully people who make mistakes out of ignorance. It was a choice, number four, that we are left with today was a choice to serve others. He said, now that I've done this for you, do this for others. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus also said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I can't think of a better example of how we are to live than our Savior that got up out of the grave. You shouldn't even be told why you need to do it. But I want to give you some biblical reasons why you should serve. Number one, you should serve because it brings you joy. How many of you have ever served someone? Hopefully, more than that, Lord, we're in church. It brings you joy. When everybody's battling depression during COVID and all this crazy stuff going on, man, I just... 
He said, hey, let's just buy some food, man. Let's give out Easter baskets, man, to people. Just let them drive through. People think I did that for them. I did it for me. I did it for me. Because it's a joy to serve, man. I'm looking around at servants, man. Some people have the gift. Some of you, it's a struggle. May not be your gift. Some people have the gift to serve others. It's a spiritual gift, but it's a calling for each and every one of us. A calling that the Spirit will help you with. It brings us joy. It gives us purpose when we serve others, the Bible teaches. It's our purpose. Let me tell you something. When you die, people aren't going to remember how awesome of a business leader you were. If you're a preacher like me, they're not going to remember how good you could preach, how good you could communicate. If you're a singer, they're not going to remember how awesome you were singing. They're not going to remember what kind of car you drove, what kind of house you lived in. They're going to remember how you made them feel when you served them. It's an everlasting purpose. It gives us joy, brings purpose. It's an act of love. Greater love hath no man than he lay down his life for his friends. When you go low, God exalts you. You need promotion in your life. You have dreams. Serve someone. Every time God has done something significant in my life, it came after a season of service to others. And I feel like the Lord was almost saying, hey, be faithful in this and then I'll give you that. It also brings rewards to your life. How many of you like rewards? If you don't raise your hand, you're lying. <laughs> Christian people act like they hate rewards, hate money. Y'all don't. If you do, give it all to me. I'll take care of it. <laughs> it brings rewards. It's what it says in 1 Peter. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold Grace of God. If anyone speaks, there's that tongue again, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews would say, don't forget to entertain strangers. When you do that, you entertain angels. Paul would say in Galatians that we're to bear one another's burdens. And when we bear one another's burdens, it fulfills the law of Christ. How do we do it? When you read 1 Timothy as Paul is speaking to his young mentee, you know that the disciples, with the exception of Judas, got what Jesus was trying to teach them. Because it became a practice. It became a part of their language and what they did. Read 1 Timothy. So we know that for the remnant, serving became a part of who they were from that time on. 
How do we do it? The Holy Spirit is called many things. One, it's called a helper. I'll leave with you another helper. Why does God want to fill you with his Holy Spirit? To help you. To help you. You need help forgiving that person that hurt you? There's a helper. You need help serving those who can't give you anything in return? You need a helper. You need help sharing your faith? There's a helper. You need help being faithful to your church? There's a helper. You need help in your marriage? There's a helper. Need help with grace? There's a helper. It's the Holy Spirit of the living God. And the true Holy Spirit leaves fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. Stand on your feet. I believe the Holy Spirit is about to do something powerful for you that's going to change you. Listen, if you want this church to be all that God has called it to be, we've got to be known as not only a place of grace, but a place of service. I'm thankful for our wonderful staff. I believe they get it. But the truth is, I'm not looking for more staff members. I'm looking for more servants. Servants that have the heart of God. Servants that just want to serve. The first step towards receiving the helper of the Holy Spirit is to be forgiven and to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, which we celebrated last week. Now, I'm going to lay hands symbolically over all of you, not like I did last week. I'm going to lay hands like this, and I'm going to minister to you corporately in the gifts of the Spirit in a minute. But before I do that, I want to make sure everybody in this room knows Jesus and those watching online. Would you bow your head with me? If you don't know Jesus, you don't have peace in your life. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you need Jesus, if you're lost, you say, if I died today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer so you'll know that you're saved. If that's you, just pray with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, you can register your decision online. But I have Dr. Jake Carroll here, one of our servant leaders of this house. He's going to make his way out to the back right now. He's going to walk that way without embarrassing you. If you prayed that prayer with me or you want to join this church, you follow him out there privately. We're not going to embarrass you. Just, just slip out of the aisle. Nobody even notice. Dr. Carroll will take care of you. Make sure you're registered. You get started right in your relationship with Christ. If you want to do it after the service, you can. Just take your time, make your way out there. But for the rest of you, you need the Holy Ghost, man. 
So I just want you to lift your hands up. We're going to go back into worship. Would you pray this prayer with me? You don't have to pray it the way I'm praying it, like the sinner's prayer, but I, I just want you to say, Lord, I want all of you. Say, Lord, I want everything you have for me. I don't want to come short in any gift. I want it all. I want everything that you have for me. Simple prayer, just ask him. Believe it, ask him. Ask him with the faith that he's going to do it. Say, Lord, I want all of you. In fact, I, you might even pray it over and over. That's how I did it. And God filled me up. Say, Lord, I want all of you. Now hold your hands up. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, blow through this room. Fill people up. They need your help, helper. Make your way into their minds. Clean them up. Make your way into their heart. Clean them up. Fill them up with your Holy Spirit. Lord, some need a heavenly language. Lord, teach them when to speak, when to be silent, when to take a stand, when to stand down. Give them your language. Give them your mind. Give them your heart. Open up doors for them to serve others. Even in this church, plenty of things going on. Lord, we pray for your fire and your power to fall right now in the name of Jesus. Shake things up in the house. Change hearts. Leave fruit that remains like only you can. Holy Spirit, do it in power. Somebody say, I receive. I receive it. I receive it, Father. Say, I receive it, Father. As you worship, you worship the King. You allow His Spirit to comfort you and help you, love you back to health if you need it. Just let God speak to you.